The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. I can't say I entirely understand what I'm seeing here, but these people don't seem to be suffering. Well, of course not. They're happy people. Happy people. What's there to feel sad about? Look at them. They don't dare feel sad. If only they could, that would be progress. Oh, the philosopher speaks. When I was a respected philosopher, I celebrated the continuity, the undeviation of Q life. I argued that our civilization had achieved a purity that no other culture had ever approached. And it was wonderful for a while. At the beginning of the new era, life as a cue was a constant dialogue of discovery and issues and humor from all over the universe. But look at them now. Listen to their dialogue now. I'm afraid I cannot hear any. It's ironic, isn't it, Q? I don't know what you mean. Of course you do. That you, of all people, should be arguing their case. That life is behind me. What a shame. Because in many ways, that life inspired me. It did? I did? Oh, yes. You never knew that, did you? And I paid the price for my inappropriate behavior. No, no. We paid the price by forcing you to stop. But for a moment there, you really had our attention. My attention. You gave us something to talk about. But then you surrendered to the will of the Continuum like a good little cue. And may I say, you've become a fine, upstanding member of the Continuum. But I miss the irrepressible cue. The one who forced me to think. Good morning, London. It's Thursday, July 11, 2013. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. And we'll be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. 519-661-3600 is a number you can reach us if you want to discuss any of the subjects we'll be talking about today. Be one main one, and that's going to be where I'm going to attempt to provide some balanced coverage on the London West by-election that the Free Press has promised not to offer us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have documented evidence of this, and we're going to be talking about that today. And that's going to take up a good three-quarters of the show, because I think this is this is a story within a story, as far as I'm concerned. Robert, I know you wanted to finish up some issues that we started last week. Um, oh, yeah, J Bob, just a little so bit of feedback. let's do all that first before we get into the main theme, and, and yep. we'll get going. Just a little feedback before I get into just an ob another observation on the Edward Snowden ongoing affair. Got this uh, post from Matthew on our blog, which you can uh, see yourself at uh, justratemedia.org. It's on the last show, and the article um, that he's commenting on was your um, impressions of heaven and hell. Oh, and really? He, yeah. He writes this, Your segment on hell reminded me of a story I was told in public elementary school, a story that scared the uh, <laughs> hell out of me and has stuck with me ever since. Hell is a giant movie theater. You sit in the middle, and your spouse, children, parents, etc. sit beside you. Beside them sit your friends, and beside them are your co-workers, and so on until the movie theater is filled with everyone you've ever known. 
The movie starts, and it's your life. As if an invisible camera had been following you for your entire life, and so the audience sees every single thing you've ever done, even in private. And as the movie plays, the audience can stop the movie to comment. I may be mistaken at this point, but I vaguely remember mentioning that all your thoughts play over the speakers. The movie plays on a loop for eternity. That is hell. I've never been able to find this story, nor any know of anyone else that has uh, been told it in school, beyond the obvious moral the teacher was trying to impart, i.e., don't do bad things even when no one is looking. <laughs> I've always found this story quite sinister. My private thoughts and actions are evil and dirty, and everyone will eventually know what I've done in hell. Do you know of this story? Any thoughts? Well, thanks for the comment, Matthew, and I'd never heard that one before. But, Certainly uh, not it, that version of it. No, but it reminds me once when I was talking to uh, a local politician. Now, he was Jewish, and uh, we never got along ideologically. But uh, as I was sitting next to him, um, we got talking about religion. And uh, I mentioned that I was brought up Catholic. And he says, ah, we have something in common, guilt. <laughs> and yes. that's exactly what this is trying to impart upon the young souls in the public elementary school. I don't know what school you went to or even what country you're in, Matthew, But uh, because we do get a lot of feedback from all over the world. But public education is no different than any other system of indoctrination like religion. And try to get uh, the little charges under control, you know, they try to instill a lot of guilt. Yeah, it's true, you know. We could do a whole show on the subject of guilt, because oh, I think sure. some guilt is appropriate, and I wish some more people would feel some guilt about some of the things that they were doing. Or at least shame. It's, it's inappropriate guilt that I think yes. the religions have in common. And that is inappropriate. And rather than trying to punish people for doing bad behavior, I think a, a modicum of reward for doing good is also uh, just, as, just as good at manipulating people's behavior. But anyway, that's the feedback for today. Now, on to the Edward Snowden affair, which mm. seems to linger on as this whistleblowing fugitive langers in the transit area of a Moscow airport. Now, in the meantime, we're left to ponder the bigger picture of making public the secrets of the state. In Mr. Snowden's case, we have a, a, contra uh, a contracted computer tech who happened upon what he considered to be a violation by the NSA of the U.S. Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, which recognizes the right not to have warrantless searches of American citizens. But if any one of these, any one of us, rather, were to blow the whistle on each and every transgression of our respected country's violations of our rights, we'd be blowing that whistle continually until we were quite literally blue in the face. Our government agencies explicitly and overtly violate our rights each and every moment of each and every day. In fact, vast ministries have been established to do just that, most notably Revenue Canada here in this country, or in Mr. Snowden's case, the IRS. With each passing moment of our working daily life, the government is confiscating our wealth, which is a blatant violation of our rights to property and to liberty. So why isn't Mr. Snowden and every other American or Canadian shouting from the rooftops about the egregious affront to our rights perpetrated by our governments every single day? Well, because most of us have no idea what our rights are and where they come from. What Mr. Snowden was blowing the whistle on was not, I think, in his mind, the best um, that it took to my, to, <laughs> to my mind that I can fathom a violation of his rights, but a violation of the law. The vast majority of us consider our rights to be those things which government 
constitutions or bills or charters of rights set out when in fact they're not. The government does not grant rights. They either recognize them in law or they, they do not. If they do not, such as with the confiscation of wealth, they will violate them. And since they have not recognized them, we feel quite rightly that we have no recourse to the violation. That's why we put up with this income tax, taxation of all kinds. It's because we have no recourse to the law. Now, if, however, the government does recognize a right, such as not to have warrantless searches of our property, as in the case of the NSA in the United States, then we feel that if such a right is violated, we feel we have recourse to the law. Now, Mr. Snowden, as with any half-intelligent American, is aware of this, and when in his estimation he saw this right being violated, he made this violation of the law, as he saw it, public, hoping to have it stopped. Now, while I acknowledge Mr. Snowden's courage, for trying to address a wrongdoing on the part of his government, or at least a government agency, I wonder if he could have gone about it a little bit differently. As an outsider to the NSA, he was not privy to the nature of what he was making public, only that to him it seemed to violate the Fourth Amendment. Perhaps before he dashed to the Internet to tell the world, and dashed to Hong Kong as the place to tell it from, he could have sought legal counsel to have a more expert opinion on the supposed breach in legality. Could he have informed a superior of his findings to see if his data was even correct? Could he have written his representative in confidence with his concerns? I don't know. But to go off on his own to a foreign country, China no less, and spill the beans on his country's activities seems to me a bit wrong-headed. Couple that with the fact that while he claims to be protecting American traditions of respecting individual rights as per the Constitution, he seeks asylum in countries with long histories of not respecting individual rights at all. Yeah, now, that's bizarre. I, you know, but, yeah. but then again, I can see their interest in wanting to give him some, some coverage for this because they're getting a bit of mileage out of this, let's face it. Oh, of course, yeah. They're embarrassing the United States as, as Mr. Snowden is, but sometimes you have to to do that. Now, Rex Murphy, writing in the National Post on July 6, had this to say about Mr. Snowden. Mr. Snowden doesn't have the experience or the intellect to justify what he has done. He is plainly not competent on any showing or of undertaking the actions that he has. He is ignorant in any detail of the effects of his actions. He is reckless without regard. It is one thing to be an employee, Mr. Murphy continues, of some government department and see that rules are being bent or the department taking shortcuts it should not, and then blow the whistle. In that case, the whistleblower has competence over his part of the operation and can see the mischief going on or the crime and has a reasonable hope that exposing bad practice will itself remedy the situation. But who, says Rex Murphy, save those who have given study and time to relations between governments in peace and war, who ideally have had real experience in government at the highest level, is in an intellectually justified position to make the awful call. Balancing of rights and risks involved in an exposure of government espionage activities, of exposing the nation's secrets. It's astonishing that a nation's closest guarded secrets can be scattered to the world, friends and enemies alike, Without, uh, with not much more or deeper thought than teenagers give to a prank. 
It simply is not enough to declare oneself an activist, he says, to project an adolescent heroic image of oneself and then flood the world with your own nation's secrets and start a tour of its enemies, carefully dropping leaks along the way. Unquote. Hmm. Now, while I don't buy into Mr. Murphy's point that one needs to have some sort of elite degree of intelligence and experience in all matters of foreign affairs to blow the whistle on wrongdoing, I share some of his cautions and would suggest to would-be whistleblowers the following points. While considering the good your revelations might bring, also consider the potential harm and weigh the two. Seek expert advice if you can verify uh, your concerns and, and legal advice for your own sake. As far as I know, Mr. Snowden had not done that. And stand up for your rights, as Mr. Snowden did, if you consider them to be violated. But don't damage your position by running away to much more despotic regimes seeking asylum. Stay your ground and make your case in whatever courts of justice still exist in your own country and face the consequences of your actions for good or ill. Oh, now, know. whether hero or traitor, or most likely something in between, Mr. Snowden's case is an example for us all. An example to learn from so that we can keep our governments in check, which we must do, and at the same time preserve our own personal freedom, if at all possible. You're, you're, you're going to say something, Bob? Yeah, I was just saying that, you know, he has been saying, though, in some of the news coverage I saw, that he isn't running away to escape anything. He's running away to fight this. He wants to stay out of their reach so that he can act. Mm -hmm. Once he's blocked behind bars, I don't think you're going to hear much from him anymore. He's, he's put himself into a corner. Once he released it, he was in trouble. Well, I thought he, he had said away. everything he had to say well, on that um, television interview. What was it? Um, mm. I forget who interviewed I know what you're talking about. But, but since then, he hasn't really said very much. If he stayed away or, or, or fled the United States in order to, to talk, mm. I'm, I'm not hearing much more than saying, give me asylum, Venezuela, Bolivia, Brazil, there you go. Russia. So, I don't know. I think we, we can learn from him, though. Okay, uh, on to our next subject now, the, the London West by-election, which seems to have captured the attention of the nation in a funny sort of way. We talked about it in our final quarter last week, but the launch of Al Gretzky's London West by-election candidacy seems to have captured the imaginations and hopes of a surprising number of folks, including a lot of them in the, in the news media, being reported both here in London and well outside the riding, to say the least. Unfortunately, the London Free Press is not among them and has pretty much made it clear to us, and in writing, that they will not be giving Freedom Party candidate Al Gretzky any status or a fair hearing during this election, which I contend is, is it's unjust. Sorry. It's unjust, both towards Al Gretzky and towards Freedom Party. And, yeah, I have an interest in this, and I know all the insides of this, and I know what's been going on in the background of this. But given that many Londoners' only source of news is the London Free Press, they don't listen to the radio or watch local TV news. They might not be hearing us now. This represents a great handicap placed upon a guy like Al Gretzky if the paper's just going to dismiss him. Or, even worse, as we will find. Now, you're about to witness a glaring contrast between those who report and inform on the simple facts and those who like the London Free Press and who have put it in writing that they will not do so. It's a contrast that will simply leave you breathless. It's almost unbelievable. I'm sorry. What you're about to hear, 
On both this side and the other side of the bumper are the lead live reports on the first two days of the London West um, Al Gretzky campaign. So this is going back to July 5th and 6th on Sun TV's Battleground with David Aiken, and we'll pick up the conversation on the other side. You're watching Battleground. We're the show all about political races, and tonight... In Battleground, Ontario, the race is officially underway. Five by-elections have been set to fill vacancies left by five departing Liberal ministers. It's 29 days until the vote on Thursday, August the 1st. Good evening, I'm David Aiken. All right, now, the first shot has been taken in uh, terms of a political attack ad in this particular campaign. And it's not coming from the PCs, it's not coming from the NDP, it's coming from the Freedom Party in London West. The candidate there, his name is Al Gretzky, he is Wayne's uncle. Again, running for the Freedom Party in London West, they released an ad you'll only hear on radio stations in London. Here's what it sounds like. It seems like every day, Kathleen Wynne's Liberals are apologizing for something they've done to you. And I am very sorry. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry for that. The people of Ontario need to hear that I'm sorry because I am. I am sorry. Spending scandals, cover-ups, tax increases, rising electricity bills, healthcare delays, and it's important not just for this issue, it's important going forward. So I'm sorry about this. What will Kathleen Wynne's Liberals be sorry for tomorrow? Don't wait to find out. In the coming provincial by-election, elect Al Gretzky to be your MPP in London West. My name is Al Gretzky and I am your Freedom Party candidate in the provincial by-election in London West. Elect Al Gretzky because voting for Al Gretzky means never having to hear and I am very sorry. I'm sorry. That's what I'm, uh, I'm able to offer. This message has been paid for by the Freedom Party of Ontario. I like that. Voting for Al Gretzky means never having to say you're sorry. That's sweet. But not a bad ad. Chris Froggett is with National Public Relations. But before that, he had a long career as a senior political staffer to conservative politicians here and at Queen's Park. Let me ask you about that ad, because you know what? That might have gone on a little long, but uh, effective message, the kind of ad I might expect to see from the New Democrats and the PCs. Sure. No, it was great. First time I heard it uh, yeah. just now. Uh, pretty good. Just shows you what you can do with modern technology and you know, local, uh, local, uh, local ad, but uh, very broad appeal. Uh, these, you know, speaks to the issues that people are concerned about. And um, the Premier has obviously been on the record saying she's sorry quite a lot. Well, and, uh, a and lot it, to be sorry for. And, and Meanwhile, the Conservative candidate for the riding of London West has been accused of having some former Liberal ties. This picture of Ali Shabar sporting a Liberal Party pin has recently resurfaced, and that has him defending himself from accusations that he's a closet Liberal. Here's Shabar earlier today while campaigning with Tory leader Tim Hudak. I think the voters in London West really care about this type of stuff. They're concerned about jobs, concerned about the unemployment rate being 9.9%. They're concerned about who has a better plan. I don't think they're really preoccupied with this, you know, who was where, when, you know, or what happened three, four years ago. Meanwhile, it's the Freedom Party and not the better funded mainstream parties that have been quickest off the mark. 
taking it to their opponents in the early going in London West. The Freedom Party was out first with that radio ad we played here last night that hammered Liberal Premier Kathleen Wynne, and they were quick to pass around that 2009 picture of Ali Shabar hanging out with the Liberals. The Freedom Party candidate in London West is Al Gretzky. You might have heard of his nephew Wayne, played a little hockey back in the day. Al, it's great to have you uh, on the program with us. Um, and let, let tell people a little bit about the Freedom Party. Not a lot of Canadians may have heard about the Freedom Party. It's new. It's a small C conservative party. And you used to be with the big C conservative party, but you weren't so happy with them. Is that what I guess? Well, actually, uh, yeah, well, David, it's a pleasure to be with you. I mm. must say that first. Uh, when it comes to the big C conservatives, I was with the big C conservative federal party. And uh, I came down uh, from there down to the provincial level only because when I looked around, I saw that there really were no conservative parties in the London riding. Um, we like the kid here saying that we've got a liberal left, an NDP left, and a conservative almost left. Uh, so there was an opening for someone from the right. There's, there's Al Gretzky talking from the right. You know, today's officially the first day of nominations for candidates running in the five by-elections in Ontario. It's really strange they're already letting people vote in advance polls and there isn't even a ballot yet. Yeah, and there's a lot of people not on the ballot. Yeah, yet. amazing. You know that old saying, if voting changed anything, they'd make it illegal? <laughs> you know, voting, do <laughs> well, vo voting does change things if the person or the party being voted for is committed to those changes. What gives truth to that statement is that all of the parties that people traditionally vote for are exactly the same as each other. And that seems to be the theme of our whole show today. Now, for those of you who saw Patrick Maloney's July 6, 2013 column on page A2 on the London West Ontario by-election, there was an egregious error made with respect to Freedom Party candidate Al Gretzky. And he writes, London West voters could be forgiven if they don't want to spend a large chunk of the summer following a provincial by-election. Then again, at this rate, will they really be able, able to look away? It's been something of a chain reaction political pileup in the first days of the long-awaited race to replace departed Liberal MPP Chris Bentley with mistakes and missteps tripping up candidates. They include Liberal candidate Ken Corrin being challenged by the free press on several conflicting stories, including misleading claims he played football for the Western Mustangs in the 70s. Corrin issuing apology Friday for not being clearer on some details, but making no reference to the exaggerated tales of gridiron glory. NDP brass claiming Corrin was supporting new Democratic candidate Peggy Sattler's campaign before grabbing the GRIT nomination. Progressive conservative Ali Chabar wincing when his liberal rivals published an old photo of him supporting former federal GRIT candidate Doug Ferguson. Chabar says he briefly held a liberal membership in, nine to, in 09 to help Ferguson, blah, blah. And he says, Freedom Party's Al Gretzky, Wayne's uncle ripping Chabar over the photo's implication, but not mentioning he himself was a conservative candidate in the 2006 before joining the fringe party. The Libertarian Party naming a candidate, then quickly noting, well, no, it'll be someone else, a guy named Jeffrey Serby. With echoes of a school controversy dogging Sattler, she's a Thames Valley District School Board trustee. The Green Party's Gary Brown was the lone by-election candidate to escape week one unscathed. Perhaps none of the wounds are fatal. Are voters even really engaged yet? But all of this made for an unpredictable start to one of the five by-elections Premier Kathleen Wynne has called for August 1st, and that's 
the end of that. Now, of course, as anybody knows, from even before the campaign was launched, Al Gretzky was making it quite clear that he had formerly run for federal conservatives. We just heard him talking about it in that clip. In all the Freedom Party media releases, we saw it as an electoral asset accompanied only by minor liabilities. Those that might be associated with, you know, associating with a large C conservative, right? Moreover, neither did Al Gretzky rip Chabar over the photo's implications, uh, you know. He actually dismissed the issue of switching parties every time it was brought up to him. The issue around Chabar photo was not about switching parties, it was about being a liberal. Just being, period. That was all it had to do with. And out comes a free press reporter who just writes his own narrative making it all up as he goes along. I mean, how else could you have written something like that if, if you'd even done the slightest research or even one Google search? How, how do you come up with a story like that, right? And it, it's obviously an attempt to smear all of the candidates with the same brush of hypocrisy. You know, like in Austin Powers, where he says, we're, so, we're not so different, you and me. <laughs> you know that movie? So, and it's interesting how it's not the fringe Libertarian Party that's naming and renaming a candidate. It's also not the fringe Green Party, Gary Brown, who was the only candidate to emerge unscathed, which isn't even true given that Al Gretzky's situation was the exact opposite of what was reported, so he's unscathed too. And in fact, he's in the exact opposite position as the Liberals, NDP, and PCs. And, you know, so Al, Al Gretzky was the only one who was labeled with the F-word, freedom. <laughs> So I guess it's still accurate to say that Al didn't get away from Maloney's by-election analysis unscathed. Only in Al's case, the only scathing attack was done by the London Free Press's Pat Maloney. That was the only thing that happened there. So error corrected and we can go on our way, right? Well, not quite. It gets even more interesting, Pat Maloney, in responding to a tweet from a fellow named Jameson Roberts, uh, who says... Did you ask the other three parties in-depth questions or only focus on the big three? A bit sad there, he says. And Molnir re responds, Well, journalists who treat fringe candidates like ones with a chance to win are embarrassing and do a disservice to voters. Then he added, It's not our job to build up fringe parties. It's theirs. Give me a break. And then Roberts retweets, It's still undemocratic to not ask them the same questions. In a true democracy, anyone can win, not just the big three. To which Maloney retweets, when we had 100 reporters, we could do that. We have only two on a by-election. People won't pay for news, so coverage shrinks. End quote. So there you go. They what can't, an admission. They can't... They have two, two, two reporters who can't phone three people. <laughs> <laughs> they need 100 for that. Okay, now let's go through the logic of that one more time, will we? Quote, Journalists who treat fringe candidates like ones with a chance to win are embarrassing and do a disservice for voters. Well, first of all, i got news for you. Only one candidate ever wins in any riding, so everybody else is going to lose. Every other candidate. And if Maloney is referring to Al Gretzky in any way here, then he's just explicitly said the following. Journalists like Brian Lilly, whose columns also appear in the free press, by the way, who interviewed Al in his Ottawa studios at Sun TV evening before last. David Aiken of Sun News Battleground, who we just heard, who made Al his lead story two nights in a row. Andy Utman over at CJBK, who gave an amazing amount of coverage to both Al and to Freedom Party leader Paul McKeever. Weren't you amazed by that? We almost were on the air for Shocked two days steady. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the news departments of the radio stations, who include Gretzky as an option in their reports. CTV's Daryl Newcomb, who, whose report we'll be hearing from shortly. I could go on, but I hope I made a subtle point. 
Maloney has effectively just called all those people embarrassing and has accused them of doing a disservice to voters wow. for telling the public about Freedom Party and Al Gretzky. Wow. Is, is that a news story or is that a news story? Pat Maloney is a news story. I tell you, is he kidding? Or maybe the real situation is this. Maybe those embarrassing journalists who think Al Gretzky is a story worth reporting may also believe that a guy who got 21,000 votes from federal voters in the last election might have a bit of a chance to win or at least be a player in the game. I think that's his real fear. Yeah, that's what it is. And then the coup de grace. It's not our job to build up fringe party. It's theirs. Give me a break. What? Now, now you know... <laughs> I've got something to say about that, Bob. You know, the NDP... Before they became, uh, got anybody in Parliament were a fringe party by his definition. They weren't in Parliament. Everybody. Before that, they were the CCF. And you know how they built themselves up with, uh, with the media to do it, by the way? They did it through riots, and they did it through labor violence. And if you don't believe me, go back and look at the public record, and you can see that that's exactly how the CCF became the NDP, became uh, uh, a force to be reckoned with in Parliament. And he, is he suggesting that all other so-called fringe parties now commit the same acts well, of atrocities that the NDP has? I don't think he's suggesting has? anything. I think no, we want to do it peacefully through the media, but he's preventing it. Now, you know, just think about what he's just said there. It's not our job to build up fringe party, it's there. So, okay, so after having already run a smear piece on Al Gretzky in Saturday's paper, which apparently is his job, somebody's paying him to do that, he's got time to write about Al Gretzky if it's something bad, Patrick Maloney is saying in no uncertain terms that reporting on a political party in a bona fide news reports is in fact building up that party. And that the only parties he wants to build up are the Liberals, NDP, and the PCs. So, was he building up Al Gretzky by reporting a total falsehood about him? He has the time and energy to tear him down, but build him up? Uh-uh. No mention. Just contrived news reports. Just pretend Al doesn't exist, you know? Methinks he doth pretend too much. <laughs> you know, there's something else going on around here, Robert, and it's not about Al's chances in the by-election, but I'll have a lot more to say about that in the second half of the show. But first, here's a colorful... London West report in the form of CTV's lead story on Wednesday, July 3rd, the day the writ was dropped for five simultaneous elections in Ontario. And this is how it went. August 1st, as CTV News was first to report, Premier Wynne set the date for by-elections in five ridings right across the province. But while today was the official start to campaigning, the political fight is already well underway. Daryl Newcomb joins us with more on day one of the election trail. Daryl. Well, that's right, Tara. The progressive conservatives have dogged Ken Coran since his name surfaced last week that as a former Labour leader who opposed the Liberals, he'll now be running as a Liberal. But today, a photo circulating on Twitter forced the PC candidate to answer questions about his political past. You've probably seen it. It's Progressive Conservative candidate Ali Shabar has seen this picture floating around Twitter. It shows him at a Liberal Party nomination meeting several years ago, though he laughs off the insinuation. I uh, worked for Doug Ferguson at his firm a few years back, and a lot of the lawyers and the staff went out to support him at his nomination there. So I, I went out there tongue-in-cheek. Uh, you know, they were actually razzing me saying, what's the guy, what's the PC guy, what's the blue guy doing out here? The photo is reminiscent of the picture that surfaced on Friday of now Liberal candidate Ken Coran congratulating Peggy Sattler on her nomination to run for the New Democrats. It triggered all the questions about party allegiances. He was very supportive of me when I decided to seek the nomination and, uh, and encouraged teachers to, uh, to join the NDP to uh, support my, my bid. Coran says the opportunity to run as a Liberal only came in June 
and he emphasizes with no promise of a cabinet seat from top party brass. People are people. People go to events. Uh, they know one another. They're all interested in doing the same thing. But Freedom Party candidate Al Gretzky says voters are being distracted by party colors and need to focus on unemployment, health care, education and the debt. They've made themselves the issues as opposed to talking about real issues. London West voters, if at this point you're feeling confused, it's understandable. So in an attempt to clarify, I've asked each of the candidates not just to tell me where they stand on the political spectrum, but to show me. First up, Koran. I would have to say I'm definitely in this red zone right here. <laughs> Listen as Sattler emphasizes the length of her party membership. I have been a longtime member of the NDP. The NDP represents the values that I believe are important. And Shabar stays true to his party. You can put me down as uh, varying shades of blue here, but I think I'll probably be up in this area over there, so I'm, I'm blue through and through. But Gretzky rejected picking any colors, arguing voters in London West should choose a candidate based on other qualities. We don't care who you voted for last time. You're not, you shouldn't be labeled, you don't belong to anybody. And by the way, also registered to run in London West is Gary Brown, who you probably guessed it is running for the Ontario Green Party. Tara? Interesting story tonight. Thanks, Daryl. been expecting you, Mr. Powers. My father is missing. Yes, I heard. How ironic. You finally caught me, yet now you need me more than ever. But then again, you've always needed me, haven't you, Mr. Powers? Remember when I told you we're not so different, you and I? We're not so different, you and I. See, I did say that. Mm -hmm. Very clever. <laughs> Oh, we are so different, you and I, Robert, aren't we? Hmm. Here's part two of this this whole mess at the Free Press. Greg Van Morsel writing in the July 9th Free Press, and I know this is a direct response to us because, well, I just know it. And um, he's talking about, you know, 600,000 other Ontarians. You know, he says, I live in one of the five ridings, and uh, he's not put off by the whole thing. But he says, for idealism and commitment, you have to hand it to these wannabe politicians, even those who seem to run again and again for fringe parties with little prayer of winning. Those with decent shots also deserve at least our begrudging respect. If they win, it means putting families and careers on hold. It's also a killer on privacy, waistlines, and even marriages. And all that, in this case, for a minority legislature. Right, And he says, well, in the by-election, it's not so much on the party, it's more on the candidate. And then he says, he'd like to ask a question if he ran into these ca candidates on the street, and what kind of questions would he ask them, right? And he says, uh, for the ruling liberals, the question he wants to ask is, why shouldn't the liberals pay for the $585 million gas plants fiasco themselves? And for the progressive conservatives, who he says... Would, who would steer Ontario hard right yeah. to live within its means? And this is a reporter? Yeah, uh, oh, I'm going to have fun with that. Uh, that that's, gonna, that uh, that's almost the whole half of the show. Uh, he wants to ask him, what do you see in Hudak that so many others don't? 
To the NDP, he wants to ask, how bad does its political bedfellow have to get before the NDP hops out of the sack? And then he writes in the conclusion, besides the big three, Ontario has at least 18 smaller parties. Eighteen. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of those have never even run candidates. Yeah. Vegans and communists among them. Some are back for the by-elections. Some, yeah. Mm -hmm. Including the Greens, who won nearly 3% of the popular vote in the last election. But the numbers fall off fast after that. The next biggest winners of Family Coalition and Freedom Parties finish with just more than two-tenths of a percent of the popular vote. Which is what happens when you don't run candidates. <laughs> <laughs> the aptly named Popper Party managed only 140 votes. For alternative parties, the obvious question is, yeah, but what's the point? Well, I think he's made his point. Well, oh, yeah. Well, maybe he hasn't. Uh, I'm, I'm going to answer all these questions, all of them. Talk about superficial. Well, I think before yeah. you do that, okay. we just have to remind people out there, and remind Mr. Ben Morsel, that the Freedom Party was only one of five political parties in the last general election that fielded enough candidates to form a majority government That's if right. they all got elected. Only one of five. The others being the Green and the Big Three, the other three yeah. socialist parties. Well, that's just one of the many, many factors that, that, that fits into all of this. He's obviously not keeping up on the scene. And, that, and if he thinks that PCs are going to take a hard right... Yeah, well, well, remember Tim Hudak, his budget... Yeah. <laughs> you know, if Greg Van Morsel doesn't know the answer to each and every one of the questions he just posed, and he isn't even qualified to comment on the political Ontario scene. He's a reporter. Why doesn't he just pick up the phone and ask each of them those questions? He's waiting to bump into them on the street, because, you know, if he doesn't, then he can just write whatever he wants, I guess. <laughs> like Pat Maloney. I could answer any of those questions posed to any of the parties suggested by Van Morsel. But before I could do that, I would have to first correct all of the mistakes and false assumptions in this, in this hack report, which is what it is. Now, By the way, I think he calls himself a hack reporter. No, I think that's uh, the other fellow. Um, oh, is that oh, Pat yeah, Maloney calls Pat himself Maloney. a hack? Yeah, he, he actually calls himself <laughs> a hack reporter, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, with the exception of Freedom Party candidates, the candidates of the other small parties are not wannabe politicians. They don't ever expect to get elected, and they don't even have a plan to do so. They have totally other agendas, which has nothing to do with governing a province. It's been a problem for us for a long time or which focus exclusively on single issues like the environment, abortion, or no government, you know. They all have non-electoral objectives, really, but they're running as political parties. But that's not, never has been the case with Freedom Party. As to Freedom Party, you know, and Al Gretzky, this is his first time running on any provincial ticket for any political party. He hasn't done it over and over and over and over and over again. And in 2006, when he ran in the same riding under the federal PC, or federal conservatives, sorry, not PCs, he got over 21,000 votes. He almost just, unseated the... Yeah, uh, just a hair's uh, breadth short of taking the riding. Yep. And that was his first and only run on the federal conservative ticket. So he's not an over and over and over and over again. I myself haven't run as a candidate for years. I can't even think of when I last ran. But I'm still with Freedom Party. And you, Robert, I don't think you've ever run for the I've party. I've never run for Freedom Party. And you've been with us for like 20 years. So what is he talking yeah. about? Why are you doing it, Robert? He doesn't get it. You know... And out of our 57 candidates, we ran in election 11. I can only think of a handful who ran for us before. So you know, th this is nonsense. So if that's what Greg Van Morsel interprets as someone who's running again and again and again with little prayer of winning, I don't know what, where he's getting that idea, on what evidence, I have no idea. He's basing it on, not on us, but on other, other people who aren't us, right? That's how they do this thing. Ludicrous, just ludicrous. You know, must be one of the other 17 smaller parties. That's 18 minus one that he's referred to. He's trying to lump every political party into two camps, the electable but totally corrupt and unprincipled parties that he thinks deserve all the attention, and other. That's it. 
Now, I can't speak for any of the other political parties, including, by the way, liberals, New Democrats, or PCs, but I can say that as far as Freedom Party is concerned, the reason we field candidates in each election is because we have a long-term strategy to get our candidates elected. It was and is a strategy that was enunciated when the party was formed way back in the 80s, and I went on public record on CFPL Channel 10 TV in 1985, making it very clear what the future path of Freedom Party would be like. We've been right on it since. We played the audio portion of that very news broadcast right here on the show, the one that you interviewed me on, Robert. Yes. Remember? Yes, I do. And our expectations couldn't have been more accurate. Now, to the best of my knowledge, none of the other po small parties have exhibited any evidence of having any strategy for any particular end. <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what they stand for. They've got opinions and ideologies, just no strategy, no, no thinkers there. And here we are, one of only five Ontario political parties in election, who were in election 11 capable of forming a majority government. For us, that was our first true provincial election and effectively the end of our days as an in-between election lobby and education group. We've, that's all branched out into things like what we're doing here now, you know. Those efforts continue, but just in different places. So, you can imagine, you know, I, I once uh, remember I was on a show on Inquiry with Greg Van Morsel and a panel of other participants, and on that show, Van Morsel insisted that the progressive conservatives were a permanent fixture of the Ontario political scene and could never, ever be unseated by liberals or anybody else. <laughs> now, I sarcastically agreed with him at the time, because I insisted that with, well, Ontario's PCs, you don't need liberals or New Democrats, you've already got them, right? So you can imagine when Van Morsel writes about Ontario PCs who'd steer Ontario hard right to live within its means, I've got to ask... On what possible evidence can he make that assertion? That's what we're going to talk about when we come back. Just how left the PCs are. I bet you most people do not know what they're going to learn in the next 15 minutes after this. Kathleen Wynne on Ontario's Liberals need to go if the province is going to avoid continuing down its dangerous path. And what would be a good way of starting that? Cancellation of the Green Energy Plan. Hey, that guy looks kind of like Wayne and Walter Gretzky. Oh, wait, it's Al Gretzky, and he'll join us to talk about running in the London West by-election. After you hear what he has to say, you might be a bigger fan of his than Wayne's. This is Byline. My name is Al Gretzky, and I am your Freedom Party candidate in the provincial by-election in London West. You can choose to tell the politicians that you are sick and tired of being lied to, cheated, and ignored. That the choice between liberal left, NDP left, and conservative almost left, it's really no choice at all. I've been warning you that we'll be giving you updates on the by-elections across Ontario. Why? Because I think it's time to kick them again to win Liberals to the curb, and this is an example of how it can be done. Yesterday we had on Matt Young. He's the PC candidate in Ottawa South. Today, Al Gretzky. And why am I profiling Al Gretzky? Some of you will be saying, where's the PC candidate? Well, the PC candidate is actually a big Liberal supporter who in the last federal election was out supporting Doug Ferguson the Liberal candidate in London West. And the Liberal candidate is a guy named Ken Corrin. You might recognize him. He was the teachers union boss in Ontario that took on the McGinty Liberals. In fact, back in February, he was bragging. He was bragging to his members that their actions stole the ability of the Liberals to form a majority government through our united actions and the hard work in the Kitchener-Waterloo by-election. 
They also said they influenced Dalton McGuinty's decision to resign his premiership, forced a liberal leadership convention. Well, I mean, and it just goes on. And they kept Laurel Broughton from seeking the leadership. So the liberal candidate is an NDP -er, The PC candidate is a liberal. And Al Gretzky is with me in studio. Al, it's good to see you again. We've we've met before <laughs> we down met in before. London. Good to see you. Good I want to ask you, yes. because it it's in your bio, but a lot of people will be saying, Gretzky, I know that name. Any connection? Yes, actually, uh, he took the name from obscurity and he brought it into greatness, uh, <laughs> as you might say. Yes, Wayne is my nephew. Wayne's your nephew. So, but you're not. You're well known in London as your own man. You've been involved in all kinds of uh, issues, including one near and dear to my heart, and that's the free speech issue. You were part of the group, the London uh, Free Press or the International Free, free Press, Press Society mm -hmm. in London, yep. that fought against Section 13. Why did you decide to get into the provincial battle? Well, the main reason that I decided to get into it, uh, as you may know, that I ran federally with the Conservative Party. And so, you did quite well. You almost, yep. I think we've, we've got the numbers, 000. you almost defeated Sue Barnes, Sue Barnes yep. who was yep. an establishment candidate yep. for sure, well-known, well well-liked for a long time in London. So, so uh, when uh, I'm looking around at the candidates that are running in the provincial election, or by-election this time around, I thought to myself, like you said in your intro, Where's the conservative? <laughs> there is no conservative. As a friend of mine said, what we have here is liberal left, NDP left, and conservative almost left. And so that's when I decided I would jump in with a conservative party. All right, so uh, you've proven that you can get votes, uh, more than 20,000 votes in the 2006 federal election. You might be able to bring some of those with you. If you did, you'd be kind of a lonely fellow down there at Queen's Park uh, because the Freedom Party doesn't have uh, a caucus there right now. What would you uh, be bringing and, and what would Freedom Party represent? Because a lot of people won't know Freedom Party. No. Uh, tell it, well, let's start there. Tell us what Freedom Party is, what Freedom Party stands for. Basically speaking, uh, Freedom Party, we believe in fiscal responsibility, smaller government, lower taxes, better schools, uh, education, better health care. Those are just some of the little things that we care in. Uh, then the biggest one we care about, of course, is the debt, the debt that is taking us down that rabbit hole. It is just absolutely crazy. And if we don't do something about it soon, then, then we're going to lose. So you're a small government, lower taxes, lower spending yep. party. Not libertarian, though. No. Uh, we actually believe that there is a place for government, uh, as opposed to libertarians who feel that there should be no yeah. government at all. Well, I've had some long conversations with your party leader, Paul McKeever, on that note. Uh, and he always wants to make that point clear. Yes. So what would you bring to Queen's Park? Well, the debt is your big issue, because why? Just because well, we have more debt than, than <laughs> California, California, and California yes. is considered broke? Broke, yes, exactly. Well. First off, the number one thing that I would bring to Queen's Park for the residents of uh, London West, I'd bring a voice. I'd bring their voice, something they haven't had for a long time. I will actually speak for them. I don't have a party that I have to kowtow to. I don't have a party leader who's going to say, today you will talk about this and you won't talk about anything else. I will, for once in I don't know how many years, be able to go to Queen's Park and say, this is what the residents of London West want. This is what they have to say. The, uh, the liberal candidate is looking to replace Chris 
Bentley, right? Yes. So he yeah. was the energy minister who authorized the moving of the gas plants, costing us untold hundreds of millions of dollars. And the guy that they want to replace him uh, was the union leader who's costing us untold hundreds of millions of yes. dollars. Are you worried that if he gets in, he'll just become, uh, uh, will he be a front for the teachers unions or will he be a front for the, uh, uh, the party to organize labor? Wh which way will it go? Well, it, it, what it comes down to is the question, I think, is does it really matter which one he actually is? Because either way, the, the people in Ontario will lose. As, and they'll be yeah. paying too much. And, and of course, be too much. the PC candidate, were he to get in, he could cross over and join the Liberals because he's already showed he <laughs> likes the Liberals an awful lot. Well, he digs up. Well, as, as, as I said in another interview, I, I personally, I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm not even going to go all right. there. But all fair, I'm going to say enough. about that, let me say this, though. If people in London West are worried that that's the truth, if they vote for Al Gretzky and the Freedom Party, we don't support the Liberal Party. There we go. Al Gretzky, good seeing you again. Good to see uh, you. Share your thoughts on Facebook. We'll make sure that we put contact info for uh, Al and his campaign up there. It's easy to find me on Facebook. And if you're casting a vote in London West, people, give Al Gretzky a serious consideration. Stick around. We are not done yet. Here are a few things you should know about that hard right progressive conservative party <laughs> tell me about that greg met by the way that was of course brian Lilly on uh, sun tv byline just the night before last mm -hmm. amazing interview good one let's remember that it was the progressive conservatives who introduced our fiscally unsustainable government health insurance policy or health insurance monopoly which was called ohip came into effect october 1st 1969 under the tory regime of John Robarts. It was not brought in by the NDP or the Liberals. It was the Conservatives who brought us socialized medicine. To pay for their government insurance monopoly, the PCs introduced Ontario's income tax, which did not exist prior to that time. The Progressive Conservatives introduced a provincial sales tax. FP leader, you know, Paul McKeever even told us that they were originally going to call it the retail sales tax, but avoided doing so because they thought it would be nicknamed the Robarts sales tax. The PCs brought us rent controls, those great bastions of free market enterprise there. The Progressive Conservatives gave us the Liquor Control Board of Ontario, another government monopoly. It's not liquor, of course, that they're controlling. It's the market on liquor that they want to control because, of course, they're free enterprisers. You know, free market? What's that? Beer, wine, and spirits in corner stores? you got to be kidding. Free market enterprise defenders? It was the PCs who gave us Ontario Hydro. And my God, that's a nightmare story. I, I haven't got time to get into it, but it's just sad. I think we're going to talk about that again. People need to know about how that happened. It's a complete tragedy behind it. And the progressive conservatives also gave us the 100-kilometer-an-hour speed limit on our 400-series highways, which were built at taxpayer expense to accommodate higher traveling speeds was originally brought down for the gas crisis, which apparently they haven't heard is over yet. The Green Energy Act, the PCs love it. They support it. They were among the most outspoken advocates of the notion that man-made CO2 is responsible for global warming. In 2007, then-PC leader John Tory condemned the Liberals for not making their planned ban on incandescent light bulbs immediate. He wanted it right now. Tory condemned McGinty for delaying the ban to 2012, which further got delayed to 2014 and is still in the offing. After the 2011 election, incidentally, under which Freedom Party ran those TV commercials opposing the light bulb ban, if you recall that. 
The Hudak PCs are in favor of running deficits till 2016-17. Where is this talk of budgets and they might do it later? They think they might do it a year ahead of whenever the Liberals will promise us. In, over, in, in an over 200-page Path to Prosperity book from the PCs, they got one sentence concerning the budget. Quote, before the next election, we will put forward a comprehensive and integrated plan to balance the budget and reduce taxes. End quote. That's it, Robert. Is that fringe or is that fringe? You know, it's pretty much impossible for the PCs to balance the budget while cutting taxes unless they're going shut to shut down half the government because they've already promised they won't make any cuts to education or health care or change that. So how are they going to do that? Uh, they won't I eliminate full-day kindergarten. At, at the same time, they're praising the Drummond Report, which says eliminate full-day kindergarten. So I don't know. You can't make anything out of the PCs. And this is the kind of stuff that Greg Van Morsel typifies as hard right. Is he really kidding? I mean, if that's hard right, what, what the hell does he think hard left is like? I don't know. That, must, you know, that's you Marxism. Know, yeah, I think he's living in London, England, because he's, he's on the wrong side of the road here. Holy wow. cow. Oh, yes, and then he makes a point of saying how Ontario has 18 smaller parties, vegans and communists among them. You know, really? I had no idea. Who are the vegan and communist candidates in London West? Did you get their names? No. No, they're not no. there. But he's talking about them. Not talking about Al Gretzky, though. You know, I've been in <laughs> politics for a long time. I've never heard the vegan no, party. No, <laughs> You know, for all their talk about democracy and all that, the London Free Press has no interest in informing voters what their real choices are. It's been like that since the beginning. Yet they have the nerve to continually repeat in their never-ending loop, oh, people are so cynical about the entire process. If only there was someone to vote for. Well, they're cynical. That's for sure. Here's what they do have time for. When Van Morsel suggests that liberals have, ha, should pay for the gas plant scandal, you know what he's calling them? He's calling them criminals. And when he wonders how, what hard-right conservatives see in their leader, it's basically nothing. It's the vacuous nothingness that Tim Hudak offers that these hard-right conservatives see in their leader. You know, don't say anything because we just have to wait our turn when voters get sick of our red brethren and then, it, then they'll come over to us. You know, that's a completely amoral, indifferent to anything attitude. And when Van Morsel wants NDP Andrea Horwath, you know, he asks her how bad do the liberals have to get before the NDP hops, hops out of the sack, he's calling that a party of whores. That's basically <laughs> what he's saying. So in the real political world of Greg Van Morsel's political outlet, we've got a, a criminal, a whore, and a nothing. And these are the people that deserve our attention. Three of our options in London West, and according to Greg Van Morsel, uh, Maloney, and presumably the London Free Press, these are the ones that deserve our begrudging respect. And then he asks people right. like us, why do we bother to run? Well, That's why. Interesting. That's one of the reasons. And here's another point. Thanks to Freedom Party, the prohibition on Sunday shopping has been lifted in this province. People don't know that, but it's even though all the other parties officially opposed it. Thanks to Freedom Party, taxpayers at all three levels of government were spared $110 million tax dollar Pan Am extravaganza in 1991. Thanks to Freedom Party, dozens of successful anti-tax initiatives were launched. Thanks to Freedom Party, an innocent man brought before a human rights tribunal. Due to a newspaper commentary written by a free press reporter, reporter named Greg Van Morsel was acquitted of the contrived complaint brought against him. Oh, you don't you think know? Mr. Van Morsel holds a grudge? No, I can't know? imagine. No, I don't think he's that kind of person. Thanks to Freedom Party, freedom of speech has a political voice in this province. I could go on and on. It's all online, though. A whole archive. You can go back for 20, 30 years and see stuff about us that you'll never find about any other political party. And thanks to Freedom Party, there's a whole history of that party campaign online. 
Ca. So I don't have to go on and on. You know, the wannabe politicians are all in the parties that Van Morsel likes to write about and against. So, Greg Van Morsel, that's the point. We're not wannabe politicians because we're wannabe free citizens and informed voters. That's what we want to be. We're running to free ourselves from all of these real wannabe politicians that you seem to think are worth our grudging respect, despite daily, 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 just scandal after scandal with no concern for anybody, who always run for the liberal NDPPC coalition of power for the sake of power. That's what it is. So what I'm really wondering is, what's the point of your editorial? And what's the point of being a political columnist of sameness and disgust and contempt for all the parties is all you've got to offer? So, Greg, what's your point? if all you're doing is writing fiction. You know, he, uh, he writes for, for a newspaper that is so well-respected in London that I, they I, have to give it away free at Wendy's. Yeah, that's respected. I don't know. That's it for me. That's We've got to go. It's not. Let's go for another week. Join us again next week, and we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, you know what to do. Be right back here when we continue the story. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes. Everything will be all right. And now, gentlemen and gentle ladies, it's time once again for the Laughing Report when Dan and Dick bring you the news past, present, and future. Go on. <laughs> Dateline, California. A committee to recall Governor Ronald Reagan today announced that they have so far received 780,000 names on their petition. Meanwhile, in Sacramento, Governor Reagan started a crackdown on California state income tax evaders. So far, he has 780,000 names on his list. 